0: hey jeremy hey Raphael. long time no see or speak or hear i know um
1: well it's summer like was anyone listening anyway <laughs> i mean our poor thing.
0: audience they're all on vacation and just completely With bored to dying do. to get back to work and i think mm. they could have used a little of our help but we let them down. i thought i
1: thought we were like work motivation so it would be unwelcome would be like ah oh, i feel so guilty
0: we, this was a guilt-free summer it, was it yeah i don't know uh but yeah you, you had your surgery
1: i had cataract surgery yeah so yeah how did it go um i think it went well my first uh doctor's appointment tomorrow post-surgery
0: what, what was the date of the surgery it was two weeks
1: ago it, uh, august
0: 10th august 10th so then mm-hmm. we were in long island yeah yeah that's, that's why, why you couldn't be together yeah.
1: yeah i was long island
0: that was really fun and a bunch of friends stopped by and it's, it's fun because it's so close to New York. So uh, we made a campfire sort of thing and barbecue and had friends over and swimming and yeah. Was it like, is it on the ocean kind of thing? On the bay side. So the, the ocean uh-huh. is the Hamptons and the Bayside is a bit more affordable. Uh, the, the North Fork still yeah. overpriced, uh, but it's near New York. So that's why.
1: But uh, I mean it would be probably calmer for swimming than the ocean, right? Like a little less rough.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like some waves, but it, it's mm. the whole thing is I because my mom's from Brazil and we would go there often and they have such incredible beaches that the beaches here on the east coast are fine, but it doesn't really feel like you're on vacation, that sort of feeling. Mm. If you it's know what
1: like but it's not like there's garbage and stuff on the beach, is, is it or it's is it private
0: beaches? It must be, right? No? Why do you big... why are you talking about garbage? I don't know It's
1: Long Island. <laughs> I oh. don't know. I, I know that it's like ritzy parts. so but I'm just thinking near New York. Wait, I,
0: w- what's what are you getting at? I'm not following. How does it compare to Brazil?
1: Like, I mean, I actually I assume Brazil's way busier. Um, and just like Brazil has uh, incredible
0: beaches. Yeah, yeah. I just that, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So these yeah. beaches, what are they like? They're
0: like Kitty normal. I, I think that you know, like East Coast beach. It's it's a little bit gray and uh, mm. rocky and
1: yeah. Right, a little, little rougher, a little less bikini. Little yeah, more,
0: yeah, exactly. A yeah. little
1: more khaki shorts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Still, I mean, um, still probably a little re- more relaxing than being in the city for August.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. I think New York City is a bit too hot July and August, so it's nice to escape. And uh, But I, I think the last few years with the lockdown and having the dog and we got a car, all these things motivated us to do vacations on the east coast like everything anything we can drive or we went to georgia we went to maine georgia the state Mm -hmm. so anything kind of within one or two day driving distance and it's all fine but i prefer going abroad and uh having more interesting food and that kind of thing
1: but you did go abroad i I thought you went to germany as well
0: yeah but i'm talking about summer vacation with the family Mm, with my wife work yeah i got it yeah yeah no, that's um, part, I mean, you you had that thing with um, Kristen where you had to agree not to do vacations tied to work because you're like, well, my ticket's already paid for, so let's go together. Yeah, yeah. And so but, this year, Christina came to Germany because she part, partly did the exhibition design, so she had to see it. So that was one trip, and then she came along to Japan. But there's a huge time difference, and I was very busy, so it's not really vacation, vacation. Yeah. Mm.
1: I mean it works uh Kristen and I were in Paris together when I was uh showing I talked about that last time, but it worked because like there was like a couple days after but the you know of course the days leading into a thing is not really very
0: fun yeah yeah yeah. no one wants to be around you at that time yeah but so this uh, trip to Germany uh I just yeah, went, was it about? I went for three nights it, it was uh we did it my exhibition at museum Folkwang was at its end so it was the last weekend so they had a thing, they do a summer night, and then the museum is open till midnight, and they had all kinds of... They had karaoke in the main hall of the museum. They had concerts in the park by the museum. Mm. And everybody walked around, and the, there were DJs. And it's a, it's, a, it's a very mixed audience from young to old, but very lively. And we did a BYOB as well. In,
1: uh, the, in the museum itself or yeah, somewhere? Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool.
0: So it was kind of cool because the museum is so carefully curated and and very spacious so there's always a lot of work between the the works there's a lot of room between the works and then the BYB was like felt like a a grungy artist run space in the middle of a fancy museum that's that's how I would describe it kind of chaotic and uh, nothing's perfect and there's cables everywhere and that yeah. feeling yeah
1: for our novice listeners, a BYOB is uh, bring your own beamer. So yeah. Raphael invites. Is it invitation only or is it open call for? It's up
0: to. Days? So it, it, it's it actually the first BYOB was in Germany and in the Netherlands. In Germany, instead of the word projector, we say beamer because it beams light. So we said bring your own beamer, because um, then it's BYOB, like bring your. But own. But if it's in the
1: United States, people would bring BMWs, right?
0: Yeah, that's okay too. You can bring a BMW. But the, the whole idea when we did the first one and then afterwards we're like, this is a cool format so we should open source it and everyone can do a BYOB. And so there's not really rules whether you make it invite only or mm. open call. But in my experience, the artists are more excited when they feel invited. And then if people come along spontaneously, it's okay. But not that many people walk around with a projector <laughs> like hey there's an event over there i might as yeah. well use this it's in my bag so i don't think the open call thing makes so much sense of course you can say it but if a museum or a space says it's open call if you're willing to participate i think you're going to be in touch you're going to be like hey is it okay if i come i want to be sure because i'm bringing an expensive machine and
1: mm-hmm. yeah are, are, are projectors still expensive do you own no, i used to own one and I don't yeah really know but, where it but is, you
0: and, know it's it's not yeah. like carrying um a notebook or even a laptop that that you might have by you might be carrying a notebook by accident and be like hey yeah. there's a notebook event there's a laptop event i'm going to join or a phone event yeah. that's something you have with you or an ipad i do, I do uh,
1: remember seeing like prototypes for phones like maybe 10 years ago and, and the future will be <laughs> They had like projectors built in. Well, it is a cool
0: idea that, and the same back to the Vision Pro, this idea that the computation can happen on a really small device, but the input Mm -hmm. with your hands and then the display need to be as large as possible. And so projection would be one way to do that. Well, the
1: most recently I did see projection come back as a phone interface. I don't know if you saw it, but it was this little kind of like a clip by this company called Human, I think they're called or something like that.
0: Oh, I think I saw the, preview for the trailer and we're like this is going to change everything and I was like oh boy
1: yeah I mean I think it's just vaporware right now but the idea is it projects the interface onto your hand but it's not very ideal because your hand's all wrinkly and Mm. in, in a way it would almost be like uh, like a reminder of uh, mortality because <laughs> the, the display would get increasingly worse as yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway but
0: um, uh, it was just fun energy it was a fun night and then the, cool. the on the that was on the friday and on the sunday i did a lecture at the josef Albers museum because i did that project with the animated uh, homage to the square mm-hmm. and did a lecture there and then was fun to look at the work because i Made this animation sort of superficially, glossing over the work online. But then I was like in a museum full of his work and, and learning a lot from the people who worked there because they had all these stories about his life and how he worked and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It,
1: what did you learn? What was the most interesting? The interesting effect?
0: thing is that he didn't start painting until he was 50. Oh, that is very interesting. So he painted a bit figuratively and then went into the, the Bauhaus mode and was much more interested in stained glass and all kinds of forms of using color in an applied yeah, form. industry almost. Yeah. yeah. And then he moved to the US, you know, a little bit before World War II. His wife was Jewish, so they had to go. And he went to the famous Black Mountain College and there taught a lot about color and then I don't know the exact jump to painting, but he's like, well, I've been talking so much about color, I should I should get back to painting. And then his whole thing was that he wanted to paint in an unconventional way, not the classic painter with an easel and a, a palette, and you mix the colors on the palette. So what he did was he would use pure color from the tube with a palette knife and apply that directly to a masonite board. It's like a kind of hard plastic with a fake... Uh, art canvas structure Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's kind of a very cheap material and it's maybe five millimeters thick and he would just apply it straight from the tube unmixed and it, it was almost like a scientific experiment like oh if i use this brand this color at this time and he would write it down at the back of the panel and he would travel and buy paints all over the world to see how does that green look next to a green from south america next to a a green from Eastern Europe. or it, hmm. it it And so when you see it up close, you see it's very different from regular paintings. It's not a smooth surface. It's very uneven. And so you see thicker and thinner parts of the paint. So you kind of, it's an exploration of that tube of paint.
1: The, the interesting thing about um, what you just said in regards to like sourcing color from different regions is like light is different in different parts of the world. Um, you know, people interpret what green is or blue is differently. Yeah. yeah. In those types, of, so I guess that would show up almost.
0: And and what's nice is being there. So. In the museum show in Folkwang I made these murals based on NFTs. So it was the, the cabinets. They're called. It's a generative project, and then it, it generates these different cabinets, which are almost abstract but very figurative. And then Carla Distelhorst is a painter and the curator found her and she was hired to execute the murals and then because she did that very well I was like oh let's do some tests on canvas for my own work to see and so we had been talking about painting on the Saturday and we're in her studio and comparing like why does this grey look so different next to uh, all these details and then you go to the museum and we were walking around and then you look much more intentionally at the work after you do that Mm. It's like and if it's, if you're into cooking and uh, and then you go to a restaurant, you you have a much more right, aw- you have a higher awareness. Yeah,
1: is this why um, we did have one phone call between our last uh, recording and today? But you mentioned to me that you're going to start painting. Is was this some of the inspiration? Are you are well, you still thinking about that?
0: The whole the whole conundrum, I think, is um, I was always very proud that I could have an art practice without a studio. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things. But then the lockdown happened and at first Christine and I stuck together in a loft apartment and we made it work and it's fine. One year, then two years, three years. And you know how that is. And Uh I kept thinking at some point she'll get back to work and she'll be at work at least two, three days a week. It'll be hybrid. And then she got this job and the company is in Washington and she's here, so... She's going to travel a bit, but not that much. It's it's like you, like you're mostly at home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then I was like, I need a studio, but the studio in uh, New York is so expensive unless you go to the Bronx or very far away. And so I kept postponing it. And then I just needed more reason than just my own comfort. I think I'm the same as you. Like you were living in Toronto. You should have rented a studio. I think yeah. if you look back, you could have afforded it. You, you could have yep. done it. But yep. you won't you won't give yourself anything that's just for your benefit. Like you'll think it has to have a, a higher purpose or something outside of you, right? <laughs> Probably. Like, I'm not joking, but that's. I
1: investigated uh, it, but I, yeah, I decided against it because yeah, because it like, maybe absurd. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's
0: it's fifteen hundred a month, two thousand a month, some ridiculous amount that you're like, oh, we could use that in a much more uh, blah 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 blah. Doing the murals, I really enjoyed seeing the digital works as paint on the wall. And then I was like, oh, canvas is such a loaded thing and I just want to do murals. But then I was like, I've made so many different kinds of objects and then I was like, okay, Christine is going to be at home. Uh, we're going to bump into each other all day and get grumpy and etc." I should have a studio. Why not get a studio that's a little bit bigger? It's an adventure, but let's try it. And so mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. And so I've, I found a studio. It starts October 1st.
1: Oh, awesome! Where is it?
0: Uh, in Tribeca, it's uh, this this oh, okay. building that has a lot of I think uh, there's like YouTubers in there and different uh, makers yeah. and some friends of mine have a studio there. The tiny studios are very expensive, even. But then I looked at the slightly bigger ones, and they're a much seem more like a fair deal even though it's a ridiculous amount but
1: it's not the uh it's not the building that casey neistat and people like yeah <laughs> is yeah is it yeah it is that building yeah and it, it's oh wow <laughs> it's funny
0: because i you, you remember how i lived on Mott street and because i knew
1: a lot of people in that building as
0: well like yeah studio
1: from nyu yeah
0: well i when i was living in Mott street i was looking at studio spaces and then i was like i don't really need it but it would be nice and i went there and i looked at the cheapest studios and they have no window yeah. No skylight. It's just basically a closet, and it's still twelve hundred a month or some bullshit. So mm-hmm. I was like, "This is out of reach. I can't afford this." But then now I went back, and a friend of mine was there. He's like, "No, look at the nicer studios, and etc." So uh, I I made the jump, and we'll see. Yeah, mm. I mean,
1: you comfortable sharing the price of the studio per month, or
0: it's three thousand. Okay, yeah. so
1: all you need to do is sell at least three thousand dollars. I mean, you could do that, no problem, right? Yeah. You have a focus area to work.
0: Um well, it's right not on it's not just too, that, right? but it's it's funny like um I think we're both pretty frugal compared to our income and so yeah. every year like my accountant says I put away some money for old age in in what's called an IRA and in different countries you have a different and then I put that in mutual funds. Um that's the responsible thing to do, right? Yeah, that's what we're taught. And, and I did that when I was younger. Yeah, I do it less now. Well, your your job <laughs> probably does it for you or not. No, I I started
1: like just divert. Like I did a lot of that when I was young, probably way too much for my age. Um, and then I didn't. So I, like I, I didn't want to buy a home or anything at that time. So yeah. I put everything. I was I've been frugal for a very very long time. But
0: what so. I'm what I'm trying to get at is that you're basically handing money to corporations to do yeah. whatever with, and we both know that. It's all about numbers. It's very reductive. It's just profit-driven. It's yeah. kind of sad. And instead, you could be like, oh, I can spend that money on something pre-tax, such as a studio or something else, and yeah. enjoy it in my own lifetime, because I might not live in the 30 years.
1: That's true. You might, an accident could happen. I yeah. that. And
0: so mm-hmm. looking back, I was like, I could have afforded this the whole time. But yeah. I didn't. Yeah.
1: Such is life, but you're not 50 yet, so you have plenty of time to become the next Albers or something like that.
0: Yeah, and I, um, I, I I, feel like the whole, whenever you talk to your accountant, they're like, "What, what's the, tax-wise, the best decision? And that's kind of an irrelevant question for an artist. And mm. uh, I, I feel like, when the crypto money pretty, are you so your accountant's not
1: really like helping you with some of those decisions my accountants no but I, what, what the accountant does
0: like, is yeah. like you should save money for retirement what they don't consider is that I never want to retire
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and that's the, the whole thing about like mainstream life or like a work where such as mine where you're doing what you love and I yeah. would rather continue what I, I would pay to do what I want and now I'm getting yeah. paid so why yeah. the hell would I retire?
1: No, I always say like it's great to get paid to learn and and yeah. do and then do what you love. But it, I mean, it, and, and like this is all familiar. sort
0: of talking about how uh, stupid the brain is. Like we're conditioned mm. to do certain things. If I look back, like oh, I could have done all these things that I thought I shouldn't for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny because yesterday I I was teaching a workshop. Um, I, got, I I decided to try and do another like lean artist workshop you know where i teach artists about business <laughs> so it, but it, it every time i do it it's really it kind of slaps me in the face um how uh a like artists are all unique and extremely talented so that's not in question at all but like um the amount of like backward thinking we all have including myself that i have to like constantly trim- yeah can, and you, can you, you share you, an example yeah i'll, I'll share an example. Um, but, um, well, I'll, I'll share an example of a friend who had like, a, a, who's really well established, who came to the workshop that's local and really knows what they're doing. And um, we were filling in our, like we were doing sample business models together and, you know, stress testing them with each other, which is how I run these workshops. And we use the thing called a lean canvas. If anyone wants to look it up, uh, you'll, you'll get a little more context, but it's just like a standard business model on a page kind of thing. And, uh, this person, again, like I said, super successful, uh, the last, so they did their canvas for this event series they do where they do like films and there's like the, in addition to the film, there's other stuff going on, like, um, food and performance and things like that. Like it's a whole kind of evening. And I asked them like, Oh, it's like, you've done this before. And they're like, yeah, it, it how, I, like, I said, how did it go? And they're like, well, both times it sold out. And then, I, but they looked really unhappy. And I was like, well, what's the problem? And we like, you know, he scanned over to like the pricing and revenue section of the canvas. And she had like $20. It was $20 per person. And I was like, is that the price? And she's like, yeah, the first time actually that was the price. And then the second time I made it free because the government like subsidized it. And I was like, I was like, this is way too low. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, um, well, it, and yeah. I, no, do, but th- th- I do, I do understand not... the feeling. Like,
0: yeah. It, so, the one, the capitalist move, like, like the Amazon way of thinking is like, never show a profit, grow, 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 grow. Yeah. I've also seen this thing where, and what happens is, if you do that, you're like, the work should be bigger, the work should be more expensive, the price should go up, like all these standard sure. business decisions. It also creates a thing where there's a lot of pressure to keep growing for no reason. Where maybe you'd be happier just making watercolors on a postcard. Uh, but someone's like, no, you should make a golden statue that's at least a thousand pounds.
1: Well, the reason she was unhappy though is because it was like unsustainable. Those were her words. She's like, This okay. is unsustainable. But, right. But like the- and she's trying to be full-time, you know, at her practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After years working for other institutions. And so I was like, I was like, how much does it cost to go to a regular movie? Mm-hmm. Like, not yours with all this extra stuff. And she's like, well, well, yeah, I guess it's like seventeen or eighteen dollars. <laughs> was like, yeah, and it sucks. Yeah, and but it, I I
0: understand that the the logic. He's like, if I raise the price, maybe no one shows up.
1: Maybe, but I, the, you know, the, the, you wouldn't know unless you tried, right? So no,
0: but the, the the other thing I was getting at this—that's
1: like, what I'm talking about, though. That's that's the thing that I because when you said I, I haven't, but had the, this studio, idea of right? applying
0: normal business logic to art sometimes it doesn't work. Like, I knew yeah. this sculptor who maybe 10 years ago, was doing very well, was riding a wave, and was just making more money than he needed. So he's like, well, of course, I should reinvest. So got a huge studio in Brooklyn, had a staff of six or seven people. Mm -hmm. He's a terrible manager, of course. He's an artist. He didn't know how to communicate to the staff what to do. It was a disaster. And then the market dried up, and he had spent everything, and now he Mm -hmm. has to do odd jobs to keep going. And he told me like, oh, I wish I'd just bought an apartment, then I could have kept going with my art practice. And yeah. So that there, there is, there's different ways of going about. It's very hard to have a clear answer.
1: No, it's true, and and that's and that's why I say everyone is unique, and every every problem I encounter, and the reason I love working with artists on this type of thing is that each one is a little challenge and puzzle. And I mean, it's real lives, and I don't mean to make it sound diminutive. It's like really important to me. Into them obviously but it like what is remarkable every single time is that there's no easy answer like that it is that complicated for I everyone mean, and there is and there
0: isn't, isn't because there is also you can be in a certain way of working where you figured out a steady way of exploring your mm-hmm. artistic intent with limited means and you can think okay that that the weather's going to change. There's going to be storms. There's going to be wind in my back, and there's going to be rain and sunshine, all these things. But the way I work is kind of steady, and I can persevere because it's it's modest and it's humble. And um, not everything has to become a giant project.
1: No, yeah. I prefer in business there's this concept. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Have you ever heard of the Horizons model? No. It's like... a. It's really, really simple, and it will sound familiar to you as soon as I, you know, every business like turns everything simple and makes it complicated (laughs) into like some kind of like saleable consult, you know, consultant language. Um, But basically, it's very simple. Like there are three horizons that you should be kind of working on at all times. And the first is like your core business, whatever your core practice is. You got to keep that going right in some way, because that's what keeps the lights on. That's your bread and butter. That's horizon one. It's like one to three years of uh, like out, like you could, you can know for sure that it's probably going to be around over the next three years. Horizon two exists because businesses know that any opportunity that's, or business model that's true today and for the next three years might not be true in 10. And so around five to seven years, you're supposed to start to think out a little further out, like on that five-year horizon. You start thinking of what you might be doing in five years, and so you start to build. How, how does that new apply to artists? Well, you start to build, learn new things. Like even in business, they'll talk about yeah, learning new capabilities. I'm not capabilities. so sure about that one. Well, let me just finish. Okay. And so it's like you start to learn about you know, how you might improve the revenue of the core business on that cycle. And then there's a third horizon. So that's, so you start to do research on horizon two, build new capability. And then horizon three is like disruptive capability. So with it, like you think 10 years ahead, what could I do now that would put me, uh, and they, these are bigger bets. But like I don't do understand how you apply this to art.
0: That seems. Why? You do it
1: all the time. I'll, I'll sh- like I'll share an example. Like you're just starting painting. Are you gonna rely on painting tomorrow?
0: No, but I I don't understand how you would take that. Like, where's the market headed in ten years? And these kind of decisions? you're just making. It's not it the, the work. market.
1: I mean, basically, I think the way an artist would apply it was like the you know, and you see it. I think I've seen you do it a lot, even with NFTs. It's like I'm gonna try this new thing, but I'm not gonna stop doing the thing I already do. Like yeah. I'm not gonna drop my gallery just because I have NFTs, and then. Eventually you transition to the new thing if it works out or if it doesn't, yeah, you don't try another. But new I
0: thing. do think it's NFTs is a good example because of yeah. course NFTs were aligned with things I was doing before. Yeah. And so the artists that did well with NFTs are artists who probably were making code based work. That's probably or maybe motion graphics. Like those are the artists that did well. So it was a technology that fit them. It's not like you were a sculptor and then if he comes along, he's like, oh, I'm going to drop my sculpture studio and I'm going to become a code wizard. Mm. And I don't think it works that way. So you can't just be like, well, I really love to make uh, clay pots. That's my medium, but Skype came along. So I have to become a Skype. No, that's,
1: but you're, you're misinterpreting it. Like it would be like, say you're doing pottery, maybe you're doing pots. Then you start to do like, you know, uh, maybe you draw, you paint on the pots or maybe you do pots as sculpture like but you start to but isn't, increment
0: uh, isn't art the one thing that is different from business that it's about personal interest and intuition and it's not about that's why i'm market saying
1: research like, and that's why i'm saying it probably would happen naturally in most practices but yeah. if i took the example of your sculpture friend but the thing is it, it doesn't happen in one.
0: most practices because most artists can't make a living so it, the, the whole idea no, of art is, is that you do something that you just feel an urge to do it but you have no idea if it will work out
1: absolutely i know I, again i'm saying i'm not saying that this is natural in yeah. fact that's why like these workshops that i teach end up becoming like very often. But, but in, in these time. workshops
0: how much of it is actually about artistic curiosity and how do you balance that with business um, I just I teach business straight
1: up and then let the artists interpret it however okay. they want. And what I found over time is like some artists pick it up and it makes sense to them, and, and for other artists, it doesn't work, and that's okay. Yeah. But there have been enough artists now that I've worked with because it's probably a few dozen who have come back years later and said, I continued to like learn and grow in this direction. But, Thank you. Yeah. But I think it's worth it.
0: But I think coming to New York and like Austin Lee is one of my best friends, and I see him often. Yeah. And he's just an artist that doesn't seem to have any business sense and never thinks about it. Just It never you enters know. his mind. He's not like, oh, I should use more pink because that sells or I should use this yeah. size of canvas. He never thinks about it. And all the other artists I know talk more about the market. Yeah. And out of all my friends, he's the one who does best. Like economically, yep. say because he doesn't think about money, so that's the weird thing. And like all my I other friends are like, I "Oh, I should do an NFT project because the market, and then this and that, and I'm going to hire a publicist." And 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 a lot of our friends in the post-internet world sort of transitioned their work to be more market friendly. All that, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But he seems to be the one who just was kind of oblivious mm-hmm. to it all, and then does really well because of that. So, yeah. I don't know. But if his work is his work is very, I would say, accessible. Like
1: you know, it just happens. to yeah, but it, it's accessible. Yeah,
0: but he didn't bend for anything. He didn't.
1: Yeah, but he didn't have to. Like, yeah, like if I took myself as an example, like I started out in a position of like punk, you know, like uh, Marxism. Like, and I know a lot of artists who were like anti-capitalist. Yeah, you know, that's and that's what they were taught in school, and so they explicitly are graduating. I know, but I I, I,
0: <laughs> I I know what you mean. And then yeah. I think of someone like Brad Trumell, who just keeps talking about like rich people are evil. You can't sell to rich people. That's why we should make art affordable. And then he sells posters, and that's fine. Mm. But you're only looking at it through an economic lens.
1: I don't know. And I'm not promoting that idea at all. Yeah, but, but
0: I, I feel that a lot with our generation. That people are like economics first and then some art.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's also easy depending on your position economically. Like, you know, I talk to people who are really desperate sometimes. Yeah, but Austin is
0: an example. Grew up with no money, took all the risk, and and had all kinds of odd jobs in the beginning. And then um, it worked out. I mean, granted, he's a painter. So that is a more classic format. and (laughs) Yeah.
1: Anyway, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get too deep on on Austin yeah, in yeah. particular. And no, no, everyone, I know. Like I said, uh, but I'm just giving the, the
0: example of. Yeah. I'm sure. I, I don't know the. I, I get annoyed when people say, "Oh, that's easy for them because they were rich or whatever." It's.
1: But I didn't say that.
0: No, but I, I don't know. If you think of an artist like Pipilotti Rist, mm-hmm. it seems like it's a person who just went f- with their gut feeling. And not think about the market first, but maybe yeah. they were in a position to. I don't know. But well, I
1: hope when you make paintings, you're not thinking about the market. I, I hope that's the attitude that you have, because it'll be a more interesting. Like I'm really interested. Yeah, excited I mean, no, nothing can... is
0: pure, but but uh, the whole thing. It, it's I made that silkscreen book, and then I wanted to make those images bigger, and uh, I did enamel, and then. The color range was limited, and then I thought, how else can I do it? And then now I'm just at the point, if I want to have the best colors, I should paint. So I'm going to have to figure out a way.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll have to be oil painting. The only thing
0: is, like, Why? it's toxic. Well,
1: isn't that the best color? No, well, not necessarily. It depends
0: better? on what you want. Hmm. What, I, what I, I mean, the brightest wearing? colors, I think, are with acrylic. So. Hmm. Interesting. I think it, with oil, you get a more classic feeling. And with... Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm my, Kristen, my partner, <laughs> everyone knows what you, but, uh, she was a painter, uh, but she's just always told me that if you really want to get the vibrant color, you have to go after oil, but I, mm. maybe I'm, maybe she's wrong. I mean, I remember my brother. I think maybe more the nuanced I was, color. I think if you uh, want the most nuanced, that probably oil is good. I started out as a painter, as a, t- as a child, my, my parents would commission paintings for me and mm. my, my, my siblings as well. Yeah which was very kind of them. Um, but I remember my brother was pretty hardcore in painting my older brother, but he would paint mostly with like fluorescent <laughs> colors. And yeah. like, those were all acrylic for sure. Yeah, and he would I mean. do what you said about Albers, like it was a palette knife directly onto the canvas to get pure color. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Some of his paintings actually still stand up as like, like they're landscapes with fluorescent colors. And, yeah. You know, they're kind of cool in a way.
0: But the the... Back to the discussion of the studio. And you've avoided the studio as well your whole life. Well, I'm
1: sitting in a studio right now. so.
0: Okay. Like, yeah, I have a studio fair. now that I bought a house. But so. you avoided it a long time. Let's, let's put it that way. Like you're a traveling artist. Your body was your studio. Your laptop was your studio.
1: Yeah. But now I can like leave a mess out. Yeah. And I don't have to put things away. But, uh, so so the whole <laughs> the
0: whole thing of, of being afraid of change, we'll see. The whole thing for me was that all my work comes from this limitation and and Mm -hmm. being on the road and uh, everything comes Mm -hmm. from a compact, everything comes from instructions that manifest themselves in different ways. And so a studio is a completely different dimension.
1: Maybe without constraints, you'll end up making like dog paintings or something. Like um, maybe you need those constraints.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll find out. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, Yeah. What
1: I do hope, I hope I visit though and it's like a complete mess and that
0: well, don't like, count on that Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. like if I come in and it's like a clean room, I'll be very disappointed
0: Well then prepare to be disappointed because <laughs> there's no way it will be a mess Oh man yeah.
1: <laughs> I yeah. guess that like It um, won't
0: be the Francis Bacon type studio no. Yeah, I just no. want to see like
1: Frustrated Raphael with
0: like crumpled paper and on the ground. I'm smoking <laughs> like, and drinking cappuccinos. Exactly. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah.
1: <laughs> this color is not green enough. Exactly. Green splashed. I all cut, over I the cut off one ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the paint's driving me crazy, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it does. It's yeah. like a Kramer
1: effect or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but uh, uh, how is you. your eyesight now? Um, well it's still recovering it takes like six weeks to kind of settle in so but what, what exactly
0: does that mean like I'm curious from a since we're artists what is your the difference in perception in one eye and the other
1: well one thing that might be fascinating for you to know about is that my, that the color is different in both eyes um, so okay. the color temperature much, yeah color temperature is much bluer in the new eye yeah um, the other thing is it's a different focal length and so things are not the same scale so I have like oh that's crazy I can zoom in on things, or
0: <laughs> and is is that permanent?
1: Um, yeah, that's permanent. Because they um, they
0: added a new lens, basically an artificial lens. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but it's it's because I wear glasses for the other eye too. So that's like a there's a magnifying glass in one of the other. Eye. Hmm. You know, so I, until I get new glasses, I won't really know. They said my brain will probably figure it out, but it might not. So, so your glasses are, are
0: going to have a different focal length in each each eye.
1: Yeah, one will be close
0: up, and the other will be far away. Kind of. Oh, wow. Yeah, my, my uh, dad um, has, um, you know, he, at some point he needed reading glasses, and then it's, he also needed glasses for far away, and he just has two different contact lenses. One is, for, and your brain kind of figures it out.
1: Yeah, so in the best case, like, this operation, will my eye will be 20-20 at far range without glasses, and I might not even need glasses. I just wear fashion glasses, maybe, or sunglasses all the time. Um, but that's, I don't know if I'll, I'll hit that. Like, not everyone gets to have 20, 20 vision after this operation yeah in theory i should
0: but um i don't know yet and uh, did you feel scared going into the surgery it was like
1: yeah everyone told me it was going to be easy and i'd already done a surgery so i was like it'll be a piece of cake after that like vitrectomy which is a much worse surgery and everyone all the doctors that heard i had already had a vitrectomy laughed like oh, this will be a piece of cake no worries but it was still traumatic <laughs> like there is that like, and I'll tell you the most dramatic thing is just before like they made an incision in my eye, the doctor's like, "Keep your eye focused on this point," and he like pointed at something, but immediately as he started to like, you know, cut into my eye and stuff. Uh, so my- you
0: you weren't sedated.
1: No, no, no you're not you're not no one really is sedated for this just so, local anesthesia yeah but if if someone is moving things in your eye you can't stay focused on that no. point so like it might you know vision i was really focused but my vision was kind of drifting i'm like oh no i don't yeah, I'm doing best. what job. if i move too yeah. much it's very so you become very aware of like does oh, my man. eye how do i keep my eye still and, you know, and am i is it still looking in the right place
0: in the, so it's been let's say nine months this whole adventure
1: it started around this time last year. Okay, know, so about, a year. maybe like yeah. a couple of weeks, yeah.
0: And did you ever think I'm gonna lose one eye, but I'll just have to learn to live with the other one?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I like
0: uh, I, I imagine when when these things happen, is that you start to imagine the worst case scenario and then think like, how would my life be?
1: Yeah. So I imagined like a patch over one eye for yeah. the rest of my life because you see people sometimes outdoors. And yeah. Like, oh,
0: and then watch. it would it would be hard to drive and things like that.
1: Yeah, it's not ideal. Like even now, like you know, I'll bump into things because the other eye is not, a, you know, the, per, the peripheral vision wasn't there or wasn't as good. And so you're so not
0: you're not driving at all.
1: I am driving. Yeah, oh, actually, okay. there are no laws against driving with one eye. So
0: just oh. so you know. <laughs> and and um, did they say that travel was okay or was it risky?
1: Uh no, it's fine now. It, no. The travel risk w- with the last operation was because they insert gas in your eye and your eye is actually filled with gas that would expand in the air. So that they didn't do any of that in this case, what a cataract surgery, just for those that don't know, is they, you have a natural lens and interocular lens, like, um, is what they put in, but they put the lens between your cornea and the, you know, ball of your eye, which is like a full of fluid. There's like tissue, like a little kind of pocket and they can like pull out well, actually, they use a special machine to dissolve your natural lens and, and suck it out like with a vacuum cleaner, and it was a very weird sound. Actually, man, this and is they, true horror. Yeah, it's like whoop whoop whoop, and it's like constant irrigation. Like there's a computer voice that's talking. All
0: the time. I, I, scary <laughs> movies don't affect me, but what you what you're describing
1: now is like oof. And then they like put in the, the mechanical lens, and it kind of like pops into place. Like it's got so little really bionic band arms now. that open. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you could see, like, no one's told me they can see a shimmer in my eye, but I remember like,
0: uh, like in that movie, uh, they live.
1: Yeah. Like, well, I had a, 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 like a mother of like an ex-girlfriend and she, I remember her getting cataract surgery and then like, she would look at me in certain directions and it'd be like kind of a metallic shimmer. Mm. (laughs) It was really creepy. Yeah. But, um, I think, yeah, I think it could be cool. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah it, yeah it, the the surgery was successful but i'm my eyes still sensitive and it's going to take like a few weeks so you, to, you
0: should go you know, to hawaii to heal
1: they said yeah you should go to somewhere humid yeah actually yeah Hawaii. um that's the so, biggest problem i have now is dryness
0: yeah and and how is uh, kristen and her job
1: Great. Kristen's a teacher here in Calgary, as everyone knows, um, she's getting back. Everyone's going back to school now. So all the teachers are stressed. You know, semester starts next week mm-hmm. or it's already started for some. I, I don't know how people... Is she
0: liking the job?
1: Yeah, but th- like, you know, it might, like it's weird to have a job where you take kind of two months fully off because then you, you know, it's like performing or public speaking like you get out of the habit of it. And then she was like super stressed to get started again, you know? Oh,
0: I see. Like stage fright.
1: Yeah. I don't, I'm not really familiar with that because maybe in art contexts, like... um, Well, we're both not the vacation type. It's harder for me. Yeah. I get stressed about like, how do I go on vacation?
0: (laughs) Well, part of the whole Long Island thing, uh, it's pretty great Long Island. It's just, it's not the same as going to Bali or Hawaii or things like that. You you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But part of the stress I was feeling of vacation is it seems there's so much tourism, especially in the south of Europe, Italy, Spain, that you feel like an asshole for invading people's city or their environment. And then it's so touristy that you you kind of feel like a loser. And vacation has become this thing that, oh, I got to find the one place that nobody found, but doesn't exist anymore. And Mm. so to me, travel... Colonial. Yeah. and, And... So going to Long Island, it doesn't feel as touristy, even though what I'm trying to get at is, to me, vacation became kind of stressful. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't want to be a tourist. I don't want to bother people that otherwise don't want you there and this kind of feeling. And I feel like when you travel for work, it's very different. I mean, we've talked about that a million times, but yeah.
1: Yeah, the only true vacation I can have is like going back to my parents and sleeping, you know, Mm. and I don't know. If that's even true anymore, because they're getting older, and it's like they're kind of stressful to be around. They yeah, need that's,
0: they need more help. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So home and like work sometimes tech support feels like when you go to a your Big parents. relief. Yeah.
0: I'm sure. I, I'm very sure every listener of this podcast knows that tech support feeling.
1: Oh yeah, I was on the phone this morning with my mom, helping her with yeah. an internet question. She's gonna. What's the tab? What are you talking
0: about? Yeah, yeah. she's yeah.
1: getting fiber optic cable direct to her summer home.
0: Oh, that's better like, than what we have. Well, in Canada, it's the we law. We don't have fiber, it's,
1: here. You have to be able... There's a law in Canada that anyone has, has to have access to fiber. Um, they have laws so in Canada?
0: We don't have, have laws
1: about, like, access to information yeah. because they don't want the poor people to not have the internet. Yeah, yeah. And, but in it, the United we, States it, like even in New York, our building doesn't yeah.
0: have fiber, so... Really?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, in the countryside, you can get fiber here. <laughs> not everywhere yet, but, like... Yeah. I, I don't have fiber, actually. I
0: remember even. you visited us, and you're like, oh, yeah, the internet's kind of slow. <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, apparently the U.S. has a big
0: internet infrastructure problem. I've heard that a few times, but what are you talking Europe about? U.S. Good. has zero problems. Everything is perfectly perfect. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, but anyway, so we're ending summer. Are you ready? Is it back to school feeling for you? Then, like, are you back to studio because it starts in October? I guess, yeah. You know?
0: No, I, I mean, I didn't slow down in the. I'm doing the. NFT drop every two weeks, and I wake up every morning, start the workday with Rainier, my programmer. Um, it's been a lot less email over the summer, so maybe starting September, it's like a lot more email stuff. But mm-hmm. I'm probably, it's not 100% sure, but I'm probably going to Japan in October for a show, like a group show. They're just trying to find the budget to, to for the travel. But you hope, love Japan. Yeah, I do. And so I'll, I'll go for a week or 10 days or something.
1: That's like a vacation,
0: it sounds like. I I, I don't understand when you, I mean, your situation is different, but when you just, if I am working, what people call work, but it's like I go to the textile factory in the Netherlands, the textile lab, and there's just all these experts you can work with, and they ask you, what do you want to do today? We have the most amazing colors in the world. Do you want to play with them? Yeah. That's that's more of a vacation than going to long island and cleaning out the grill and uh, no
1: i had a. I mean that's how i think about it as well yeah. like you know being in paris or being in tokyo if you get a chance to do that or wherever yeah. you get to go I, and yeah. you get to be with other artists it's the most fun you can have.
0: i also don't have that thing where um i get tired from the city and i need to uh, an escape so mm.
1: yeah um i'm just well, really into great.
0: daily life that's um, that's my thing
1: yeah well, I'm just glad you're not spending. Well, you're. Are you still going to the movie theater once a week?
0: Yeah, once or twice. Yeah, something like that. I. I mean, we, we I used to go every day, but yeah.
1: We didn't do an episode about Barbenheimer, or did we? Did Oppenheimer.
0: We talk about that? Oh yeah, yeah. Barbie. I, I haven't seen Barbie yet, but maybe tomorrow.
1: Okay. Yeah. I saw Barbie, but I haven't seen Oppenheimer. And oh, then I, heard, I saw uh, Oppenheimer. Here, yeah. Here in Calgary, they have one of the 70 millimeter prints. Yeah. Um, but apparently, like, I guess the technicians, it was like. It was a, a very big print, like one of the biggest ever printed, and it was huge. Wrong. It was the biggest print of all Something went with time. wrong with their print, and they scratched it. And I was talking to my friend who's like works in film, and he's like, "I was like, so it's just a scratch in like one part of the film?" He's like, "No, the entire film had a scratch through it. The entire, the entire it, show. It was
0: like they were they, they were rolling the, the film, and somebody had a needle that just fell on the projector, and then yeah. they went to the bathroom for twenty minutes, and they minutes. just like
1: scratched the whole thing the whole way through." <laughs> And I was thinking, oh my God, and of course you can't get like another. I think there are only 13 of these 70 millimeter prints that they did or maybe 20 or something. Well, worldwide.
0: I thought it was a stupid movie. I never liked Christopher Nolan and this was another stinker and it took my money.
1: <laughs> that was how I felt about Barbie. So no spoilers. but.
0: Oh, fun. I thought you would have loved Barbie.
1: No, nah, I mean, you'll know why I didn't like it once you go see it. It's not hardcore. uh woken enough for me oh i see it's a commercial <laughs> in fact, there's some offensive stuff in i that.
0: mean i i just watched the tv show i'm a virgo on on um, amazon prime it's mm-hmm. it's the director from sorry to bother you but it's it's the first season of a show oh cool and it's also like a marxist communist film but it's just very hard to watch because it's on amazon and you keep thinking why are we watching a <laughs> communist manifesto on this shopping network it's yeah. really weird <laughs>
1: I'm gonna to have to check that out.
0: Yeah, um, it's it, it's it's pretty good. It's it doesn't come close to "Sorry to bother you" to me, it's, but it's pretty good. And it's it's a good, you know, it's fun and it's still edgy. But I don't think I think "Sorry to bother you" is a masterpiece, and this was like okay, but um, it's just really weird seeing it on Amazon Prime. It's just I I can't get over that.
1: mm Hmm. Well, there's. Uh, I mean, I think we're we're in for like a winter of like entertainment drought. Or, well, there's so or many good of-
0: classic movies. I, I don't see any problem. Well, of course. Yeah. <coughs> and um, bless you. I've been going to right. stand up comedy more again. That's been really fun.
1: Oh great! Are you going to where Comedy Cellar
0: and stuff? Yeah, because I'm going to start going to stuff here. Some
1: friends are doing like open mic. Shows I
0: mean, it's stuff it's though. just the best. I think when you go to Comedy Cellar, uh, the cover charge is fourteen dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And you have to buy two drinks, but, you know, that's okay. And then you see five or six people doing 20, 25 minutes each, and not everyone is the best, but a couple are amazing. And back to that price range, like going to Barbie is $21 plus convenience fee, whatever bullshit, Yeah, ends up being whatever. That's amazing, no? You can see five performers for $14.
1: Yeah, it's pretty exceptional in the world actually, because yeah. I think normally you go to a smaller comedy club, like if you go in Toronto or you went in Calgary, and most of the comedians are performing for other comedians because they're like workshopping yeah. their work. But in New York, there there are comedians probably at the Comedy Cellar that are just there, but it's mostly like regular people that line up yeah. outside. And, and I've seen a couple. Still workshopping. It's
0: it's funny you start googling stuff, and so you see a couple that have their own netflix special but they're, they're like pretty big names and then you look at their ticket prices when they do these big yeah. theaters around the country and it's like three four hundred dollars for one yeah. performer instead of, yeah
1: i think it's really one of the legendary venues in, in terms of my experience i know there are like venues like that in la too yeah i haven't been to any of those but um, yeah yeah you're lucky to be near there I yeah that place.
0: And, and, and i mean there's something about uh, unfiltered creativity by one person and mm-hmm. so that's kind of nice, like not something that's too thought out. And uh, it's
1: a right. pure art form for sure. Yeah. Are comedians still complaining about like uh, all the political correctness? Because no. I'm kind of sick of hearing no, about the, that. No,
0: yeah. for, for a while it was a lot about COVID and about uh, wokeness, but yeah. that seems to be much less. Thank goodness, there's yeah. so
1: much more to talk about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> it's yeah.
0: like a real wine
1: fest. I was like, we don't need every comedian to be doing
0: this. No, yeah. but I, I it, it's clickbait basically. So it was for a while. If you did a special about that, everybody would be like right, up right, in right. arms, and like, it was an easy way to get an audience. Uh, yeah, mm. the we whole range whole from from Dave comedy. Chappelle to Hannah Gatsby is the same yeah. trick. Yeah,
1: we should come back and do like a comedy special episode. Oh, this um, friend
0: went to the uh, uh problematic Picasso show, but I haven't seen uh, it yet. Yeah.
1: I heard that was terrible. Yeah, like it's, not a, it's not a good curator.
0: A, a curation is not easy. It's not you can not just be like, okay, I'll try it once and it'll be great.
1: But I think it's that the show was very shallow. Like it was very surface level. Well, that's what um, I'm
0: saying. Like I think curation is not easy. It's it's the yeah. same with anything. Like uh, imagine a curator being like, yeah, I'll try this stand up comedy thing.
1: Yeah, are you excited for any? Um, the fall shows should be have been announced now, right? In New York, the openings. Uh, are you excited for any? Let me
0: let me open it up. I don't know what's going on, but um, I think there's going to be some cool shows at MoMA. No, the fall shows are not. I'm, I look on this app and it's week by week, so I think one week later there'll be a lot of openings.
1: Okay. Yeah, everyone still needs to get back from the Hamptons, so but expect. I, I'm excited to hear what's uh, what's on for the fall.
0: Yeah. Um, Trying to think it do you still feel happy about Calgary and living there? I was you, talking I was
1: talking to someone who had just started listening to the podcast and they're like, yeah. every episode, Raphael goads you into yeah, exactly. admitting that you don't like it. And I was like, I was like, what? No, he doesn't. He's just asking because he's curious. And now, <laughs> now no, I it's realize. true. I'm trying to convince <laughs> you to move to New York. <laughs> it like went totally over my head um no i mean i think i'm fine i i mean i know that now that i can travel i know that travel was, was always a part of my dna in toronto and uh, i'm enjoying like the particularly weird aesthetic of calgary and because there's like a weird kind of quirky art and restaurant and culture scene here so i'm getting more and more into what's going on locally and appreciating it for what and, it and is and
0: how much are you guys hiking and enjoying nature there
1: um, normally a lot, but we haven't been back to the mountains, um, since we got back from Toronto. Cause we just, so we just moved all of our stuff from Toronto. We're renting our apartment there. Um, so we're officially out of Toronto, which oh, makes, yeah. we didn't in talk some about ways that, that puts me yeah. closer to New York cause I don't have to like maintain two, yeah. two properties.
0: So you finally rented out your place in Toronto.
1: Yeah. And we shipped all the art here. So I've been hanging art all mm. around the house, unpacking things. It, I've never had an opportunity to hang my whole collection not just my own work but other work by others as well that yeah. i've purchased over the years nice. so i was like unroll you know how you have stuff in so rolls it feels
0: and- more like your home now
1: yeah yeah it's been it's been kind of great to do that i, I said i created a little library space with um like all my art books like a special quiet space just for mm. quiet, <laughs> quiet. And uh, how was your
0: garden after not being there for a while
1: Oh, well, I had it on automatic irrigation, so it's it's in great shape, and we have it's zero scaped partially. Um, so okay, uh, and I I came back to like, like I swear to God, like a like kilograms worth of beans. Like I plant, I just t- tossed a few like green beans mm-hmm. into the soil before I left. And now and you I have came to come back. up
0: with bean recipes.
1: Yeah, I came back. I've been cooking beans like <laughs> several times a week.
0: <laughs> Passing <laughs> <The cookbook>. gas. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, they're green beans. It's okay. not like... But <laughs> no, not like hard I'm, I'm, from
0: now on, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to push you in the direction of how much you love Calgary and how much you're skiing and doing the opera yeah. ski thing. And you have all these wonderful Calgary friends. And
1: Well, I realize I can work anywhere in the world. You're right. So I'm closer to New York than ever in that sense. And that like, um, you know, I could, I could remotely work from wherever yeah. I want. And... Yeah. um yeah, I'm looking forward to just traveling more you and, know. It, and actually. So the only way to do that actually is to have my rental income come through. So uh, and
0: hypothetically, if Kristen was also remote working, where do you think you guys would live if you were renting out both these places? And you, you hypothetically you were you were just picking a place the on world. the globe. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I think Tokyo is one of our favorite cities. Mm. Uh, so is and so is New York.
0: But kind of difficult with the time
1: zone, no? Yeah, that would be hard for remote work, actually. I don't think that's a, that's a non-starter. Um, South America? I don't think so. Like, the I people mean, that we bought our house from moved to Mexico, and they built a house there with the proceeds, because yeah? pretty... But as they were describing it, I, I don't know. They sounded like you... Like, I was goading them to say, like, you made a mistake.
0: <laughs> well, it, it does... Yeah. Fit, I read a... I don't know. I haven't been there, but there's a whole thing that in places like Portugal or Mexico City... There's so many remote workers that move there that they drive up the prices for the locals. And it's yeah. it's that same feeling like, oh, I'm kind of ruining you guys' life by being here.
1: I mean, these people are retired, so whatever. Okay. But, um, I don't know. Like, I, I'm inviting people to come. One thing I've noticed, that, and you're welcome to come, is that people are taking me up on my invitations mm. to come here. Yeah. Um, and they never did in Toronto. So there's
0: something more appealing. So, But people from which places?
1: Uh, well, actually, a friend just canceled who was supposed to be here this weekend from Germany. But that yeah. was a friend from Germany. I had friends from Canada on the East Coast that visited. That was a, f- a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a I was talking to our friends Lovid, and they said they'd come this winter. Oh, cool! Um, and then some other New Yorker friends are, are gonna are gonna come out. But I'm positioning it as a residency, so I'm I'm like pretty close to launching. Like, well, I haven't even built it but i i'm close to like committing to launching like a website that would be publicly advertising that people could come stay Mm. here so i want to bring new york your very own air mattress yeah yeah it's an airbnb but like for art and business (laughs) (laughs) and i'll just berate you with business questions (laughs) (laughs) what horizon is this (laughs) let
0: me see your deck (laughs) okay I, i have another question since you're in the world of business Okay. Um, I have this feeling that the economy is more and more fictional, and everything. Or maybe th- that was the way it felt the last fifteen years that everything was ideas. You don't have yeah. to show profit. It's just about excitement and investment. And now it's like people actually want to see returns. And is that still the case, or is it still okay? Yeah. Could this you start another rework right now? You
1: could have started with this question as a whole episode, but we only have five minutes. So I, yeah. here's what I can say is that shit is getting really real um it's still on that trajectory in business right now because people have to show profitability um it's just very interesting i won't i I can speak generally across different companies that i work with include that like we're much harder on the business cases people make because there's not unlimited money right like so we'll, we'll look at the like the rigor to which I'm seeing people put, you know, like into making sure we're making the right investments. Because if you work in a business, I'm not sure if everyone's aware, maybe they are, it's pretty obvious, right? Like every piece of work goes through a process of determining whether there's going to be like a return on investment. And then there's almost like little mini pitches that happen, like a little shark In the tank company happens. itself, yeah. Yeah, Every every three months or every quarter, there's a little shark tank episode. It's called planning. And people go get like kind of, I just went through it. I just went through Q4 and I'm about to do 2024 planning, but you put everyone through this kind of like. But you have to or, go through
0: that yourself when you're working.
1: I'm kind of more like the, the one that's coaching and making sure that the business plans. You're can.
0: the Mark Cuban in this story.
1: I'm the more the Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah. Like this is, but I'm, I'm more of a co player coach though. So I do, do try and help as much as possible. And I run the research for people to like prove or disprove their hypotheses. So I often am in a better position my whole team is really to say mm-hmm. like, this is not going to pan out the way yeah, you think it is. Yeah. No. So did you yeah, have a, a,
0: a vacation? Did you have time off this summer?
1: I've only taken a few days here and there. I'm about to take a four day week and I've done a lot of four day weekends, but because of my surgery, I had to like take time off for that. Yeah. I, um, and so I thought in Canada,
0: was, they couldn't count your sick days towards your vacation
1: days. It's not that it's just that like, <clears throat> like if you're just away, it's going to be more stressful yeah, than yeah. if you're present. So I've been taking it easy. That's but, been so my policy.
0: For this year, how many? what percentage of your vacation days have you used?
1: I have unlimited vacation. So
0: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That means it's guilt probably like So that means I've, that you take like half a day a year.
1: No, I've probably taken like three weeks so far. This oh, year. okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, reasonable. Yeah. But uh, anyway, like most people take a shocking amount of vacation that I work with like more than a month a year. So hmm. I don't know, put that. And it's like an issue somewhat <laughs> at times. I'm like, mm, I think we could be a little more productive, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's West coast vibes. You got to remember like, I'm you know, a little if, if you work East, those of you working in New York, know what I'm talking about. But if you're working in San Francisco too, you're probably working with an East coast mentality. But if you're working in LA, you're not working as hard as everyone else. Like that's, that's the same thing in Canada, like Jeremy. That's little, called racism. No, it's not. It's a west. It's West Coast, East Coast. It's just like a it's no. That's a, racist. It's there's no, there's no Shame racial on division you. across. Shame on you. Where's the race? There's I didn't it's mention prejudice. A single race. It's prejudice. Well, you know, race did start with geogra- geography, like the ancient Greeks mm-hmm. would refer to people from the north. Okay, well, let's, let's
0: say south. that race is a is a fabrication, doesn't exist. Okay, but it does sound Social like like yeah. a regional prejudice. Yeah,
1: there's a regional prejudice. I just did I it was a sweeping generalization, yeah. but I've but I'm observing it firsthand so, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Canada. So Anyway, we should say I guess briefly like um it's been a horrible summer for lots of folks who are displaced by, you know, wildfires and stuff including you mentioned like I should go vacation in Hawaii. That would have been a terrible idea. Mm. <laughs> it's like a really a nightmare summer for a lot of folks here where I am. It's like not ideal. Fires burning all around. Yeah. It's like we're living in hell. So go to your studio and make your fancy paintings, Raphael. Mm-hmm. Start smoking <laughs> um, a pipe. <laughs> it'll be like you're the dog in the It's Fine meme.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Sitting with your tea and a, a green painting. Well,
0: <laughs> let's let's call it gratitude for the fact that things are yes, okay. that's so a good attitude. If, if anyone should be grateful for the situation they're in, it should be me. Are you grateful? Yes, I am. Especially I mean, when I hear your stories about uh, surgery, I'm like, it's hard to realize how lucky you are when you do when your health is okay.
1: I would say that like most of life is luck, and then every once in a while you experience life as it is. Yeah, you know, and, and that's why you should be grateful. And
0: and the whole when I think about uh, privilege, I always think about health is the biggest privilege. It's really just a lottery.
1: Yes, and that's why they always say youth is wasted on the young.
0: Well, but we we should try to be grateful. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm super grateful. Yeah, I um, mean, you must be you you must have come to a realization how precious your time is and things like that.
1: Yeah, but I'm grateful to our listeners too. I've met with a bunch of them over the summer, all of whom have pulled out vintage Good Point swag when I've seen them. Like, oh was, wow, someone was like, "Look at this!" and then they pulled out of their knapsack. They had, uh, <laughs> they had the short crop, on. the discontinued crop top. Yeah, uh, which I can't bring back. It's that was a one time. Uh, it makes
0: it all the more special.
1: And we someone broke their mug and they were like, Oh, could you make the mugs available? So thank you for asking. We the mugs are available as our shorts. But it did get me thinking that we should create like a we haven't done we should create a new line. We you know, like a okay. seasonal yeah. line. I'd love to see a new Good Point shirt or something from you, a piece of swag. Hmm. I gotta pay the hosting fees. Did we,
0: we do mouse mug. pads?
1: No, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm using a mousepad right now, and it's some, you know it's a corporately branded one, but I would we could just a have a
0: mousepad way. that's filled with points.
1: <laughs> Don't give it all away. Yeah, yeah, so we'll have a competition, a swagathon.
0: We should have a points program for a good point and then uh, see who who has the most membership points or something like How that.
1: would you collect points? What would you do? You'd the earn blockchain Oh, so would it, you'd have to listen to the episode and the blockchain would be like it would verify that you listen and you earn a point
0: exactly. Just this, oh, the that. same way that blockchain would revolutionize healthcare and education and all these things.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You figure that out. Yeah, no problem. Get on the phone with Rainier. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Um, actually, I'd love to get back to field recordings too and read. And, re- and like, questions. It's back, you know, yeah, back yeah. to questions, back to school. Let's get, Let's back, get back to, to the, work, guys. Yeah, back to work. Let's do this. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye,